for those who are new, I want to welcome you. My name is Kenneth Bruce, and I'm the senior pastor here at Westwood, and I want to welcome you and thank you for gathering with us. For those of you gathering with us online, we want to welcome you and thank you for taking time to engage with us this morning. I want to wish you a happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Boy, fatherhood, what a tremendous task that God has entrusted to us. Now, that's not to minimize the work of moms. In fact, you look throughout Scripture, you see the the vital role that moms play in shepherding and raising their children to love and follow Jesus. And yet there's a sense in which God has entrusted to men to shepherd and to raise their children in such a way that there's no one else in the world who can speak into their children's lives like a father can. Every single one of us have deep within our souls this longing to hear the words, I love you, I'm proud of you, from our Father. As a 38-year-old man, I still hear those words every week from my dad when we talk on the phone. And when he speaks those words, it brings courage and love and, and affirmation My spine is strengthened as I think about my father speaking words of affirmation and blessing over me. It's true in the life of Jesus. We see God the Father speaking words of affirmation to God the Son. When Jesus came up out of the water at his baptism, the Father spoke, This is my beloved Son, and with him I am well pleased. You see, our nation and our world is in desperate need of fathers who lead their homes faithfully, humbly, pointing their children, pointing their communities to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when we get to Mark chapter 8, we see where Jesus speaks directly into the hearts and lives of fathers, of women and men, boys and girls, of what it means to follow Jesus. Let me show you. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. That's where we're going to be setting up camp this morning. Uh, For those kids who are with us here in this room, if you, uh, parents, if they move or or make noise, I am perfectly fine with that. Doesn't bother me at all. They can uh, squirm and be kids. We're going to have a great time together. For kids who are watching at home, and even though kids here, if you want to draw me a picture, in fact, I've gotten several pictures lately that kids have drawn of the sermons that I keep right up here. So if you want to draw a picture and bring it to me after the service, I would love to see what you hear from the sermon as you draw it out there for me to see. What uh, I also want to encourage parents that if you go to our website, gowestwood.org forward slash kids worship. Uh, there is a Bible study for kids on the gospel of Mark. Uh, my wife wrote it and did a fantastic job and just kind of walks kids verse by verse on how to study the scriptures. It takes about 10 minutes per lesson. It's just a great uh, way to study the scriptures with your child. As a faith family, we've been studying the gospel of Mark together for quite a while. The sermon series on the move. We are seeing Jesus do incredible things, his miraculous works and power. We've seen him walk on water, calm the seas, feed thousands with a small amount of food. We have seen Jesus who has raised the dead, cast out demons, and teach with authority. We've seen here in chapter 8 where Jesus took his disciples out on a retreat up north to Caesarea Philippi where he revealed to them who he really was or who he really is. Simon Peter declared, verse 29, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. Jesus says you're exactly 
right, Simon. That is exactly who I am. And then we see where Jesus takes some time now to teach. He's go- he has a sermon that is so significant that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record the manuscript of the sermon that Jesus preaches right here in this text. It's so significant because what he says is deep into the heart of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. It's taken us 26 sermons to get to this point in Mark chapter 8. But what I'd like for us to do is we're going to slow down over these next five verses. I want us to slow down and put these into bite-sized amounts that we can digest and really dig deep in here because this is weighty truth that we see here in Mark chapter 8. We're going to focus this morning primarily on verse 34, but I'm going to read all five verses that follow it to give us all context of what Jesus is saying. And in Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 34, the Holy Scripture says this, Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. In this passage, Jesus is teaching the cost of discipleship. If someone's going to be a Christian, if someone is going to follow Jesus and identify with him, Jesus is laying out for us here exactly how that's going to take place. Notice in the text how Jesus begins verse 34, if, if, it's a conditional word, meaning if the hearer chooses to submit to Jesus or not, you have to decide. If you are going to follow Jesus, you must go his way. Remember what Jesus says in Luke 14, 26. He said, if, there's that conditional word. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. You see, being a disciple of Jesus is conditional upon you deciding, is Jesus the most important person in your life? If the answer is no, then you cannot be his disciple. Jesus will not take second place to anyone else in your life. Jesus will not play second fiddle. And what we see here in the text is he's laying out the condition, if you're going to follow after me, the decision is yours. The question is, are you going to follow Christ? So who's the invitation open to? He tells us in verse 34, anyone, anyone. It's, it's universal. It's a whosoever This is open to the entire world. The gospel is not just for a specific people group with a certain skin color or they have a certain language that they speak or they come from a certain demographic or region of the world. No, 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 no. If anyone, this is wide open to anybody to get in on this. The one prerequisite is that you must affirm that you are a sinner. And guess what? You qualify. You can get in on this, and it's open to anybody and everybody who trusts in Christ. The question is, do you want him? Do you want 
Jesus. Not my words. Those are his. Verse 34, if anyone wants. Question, do you have the desire? Do you have this longing in your heart to want to follow Jesus? Do you crave, do you long for the opportunity to follow him? The invitation is open. Jesus is yours for the question. The question is, do you want him? Do you want Jesus? If the answer is yes, then what Jesus lays out for us in the rest of the text is the simple process of what it means to be his disciple. Now, notice how I said simple. It's not going to be easy. To, to, fall, to follow Jesus is a call to die. I want you to notice these three truths here in the text. The first is this. I want you to notice that to become Jesus' disciple, you must first deny yourself. Deny yourself. The call is to deny yourself. Verse 34. Jesus is not talking about asceticism here. He's not talking about self-mutilization. He's not talking about self-mortification. You're not supposed to physically beat yourself up. No, no, no. Jesus already endured all of that for you. The call to deny yourself is the call to turn from sin and self. This is an outright revolution against your fleshly desires that you inherited from Adam. You see, every human being possesses a sin nature that is in rebellion against God. And just as sin entered the world through one man in Genesis 3, sin has infected every human heart. You see, naturally, our hearts are bent towards ourselves. Naturally, your heart and my heart, we think me first. That's how we naturally tend, because of our sin that we received from our forefather, Adam. Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny that. You've got to say no to that longing within your soul of saying me first. This is a call to turn your back on selfish desires in your heart. The scripture calls it your flesh. In Romans 8, Paul says that as believers, we do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on the things of the flesh. Romans 8, 13. Those who live according to the flesh will die. But if, watch this, by the Spirit, that's key, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You see, denying yourself is not pulling up the bootstraps and saying, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to do this in my own strength and in my own power. Because if you do, you're in danger of becoming a Pharisee. You can become someone who's so religious on the outside that all of a sudden you begin to seek the glory. But here we see in Romans 8 that if we are going to say no to the flesh, it must be done by the Spirit. And so when you and I deny the flesh, we do so in the power of the Spirit. It is called grace-driven efforts where you depend upon the Holy Spirit who empowers you to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. You see, this denying yourself, it's saying no to your flesh. It's saying no to your selfish ambitions. It's saying no to the desires of your heart. Boy, is that countercultural. You see, this is exactly opposite of what the world says. The world says something that is completely different than what Scripture says. The world says, 
love yourself. Jesus says, deny yourself. You see, to follow Jesus means that you're no longer in first place of your own heart. It means you're no longer the one who comes first. You see, the world says, you just need to be true to your heart. And Jesus is like, no, you be true to me. So what does this look like practically? Okay, Kenneth, I hear you. I'm supposed to deny myself. I'm supposed to turn away from from that. What does this look like practically? It means you deny your sinful desires for sex outside of God's covenant of marriage. It means that, that we deny our craving for worldly power for personal gain. It means we deny our hatred of others who live and think differently than we do. It means that we deny drunkenness in the partying lifestyle. It means we deny always trying to prove how right we are and how wrong everybody else is. It means we deny stirring up division within God's church. We deny fighting every battle that comes our way. We deny outbursts of anger towards those who disagree with us. We deny jealousy in our hearts over other people's affluence and influence. It means that we deny our covetous desires for other people's possessions or other people's spouse. It means we deny pornography and temptations to stare at things that God has forbidden. It means we deny gossip and slander of people who are made in the image of God. It means we deny sharing our personal opinions over petty issues that really don't have any eternal value. It means we deny our desire to dominate others. We deny our conceited hearts to think that we're better than someone else because we're more attractive or more wealthy or more influential. It means that we deny me first thinking. We deny thinking I've got to look out for number one. It means that we deny our fleshly desire for comfort at all costs. It means that we deny the desire to champion a political party more than the desire to champion the gospel. It means that we deny the fleshly desire for popularity. It means that we deny the fleshly desire for an easy life. Has it ever occurred to you that the Christian life is not supposed to be easy? God intentionally has said, it's going to be hard. Why? Because in our struggle, in our fight to be faithful to Jesus, it's going to compel us to cling tighter to Jesus, to cling tighter to his promises, and to long for his coming kingdom. If you think following Jesus is going to be easy, you're in for a rude awakening because faithfulness means life is going to be hard. But we're going to be faithful. But you've got to deny yourself. Okay, so let's, let, let's take this to the next level. It means that you are going to deny this fleshly desire to get on social media and voice things that no one else really needs for you to say. For some of you, it's time to get off Facebook and it's time to get your face in the book. 
For some of you, it's time to stop tearing people down and to get on your knees and start praying people up. You see, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to deny yourself. You are not first in your kingdom. You're not even first in your own heart. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you cannot take first place. That is something that is left for me and for me alone. You see, as followers of Jesus, we have to work against our flesh. We have to, Colossians 3, we have to put to death the deeds of the body. We have to wage war against our desire to wage war. We have to put to death the desires of our hearts that do not come from the Spirit. It means, as a follower of Jesus, you're going to deny your desire to hoard wealth. You see the resources that God has entrusted to you, and you say, this is not for me. This is not for my personal gain. So for some of you, it may mean, you know, we're going to hold off on buying a new car, and we're going to use those resources to help a family bring home children through adoption. And maybe for some of us, we're going to hold off on a vacation and we're going to take those resources and invest it towards a, a mission trip to a people group who've never heard of Jesus. It means you're just going to think differently. You're not always thinking, how can I uh, meet my needs, my wants first? No, no, you're thinking, this is not about me. If I'm going to follow Christ, I'm going to deny myself. You see, denying yourself means breaking off your identity as someone other than Jesus is calling you to be. Maybe for some of you, you find your identity in your sexual identity or in your political affiliation or with your financial wealth or with your broken past or you define yourself by what others have said about you. And you think, that is who I am. But if you're going to deny yourself, it means that you're now going to let Jesus define who you are. And so you're not letting anyone or anything define you other than Jesus. Here in the text, Jesus is calling you and calling me to deny ourselves of our old way of life to say no to sin and say no to self so that our old self might die. I want you to see here in the text, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. But number two, identify with Christ. When the disciples in the crowd heard Jesus say, verse 34, take up his cross, it did not bring a warm and fuzzy feeling. You see, wearing a cross was not common on bumper stickers or t-shirts back then. You see, the cross was a violent, offensive, degrading execution. The cross was a symbol of shameful torture and a slow, agonizing death. The Romans had perfected the art of the crucifixion to squeeze as much pain as possible out of a, out of a person until they died. Criminals would hang on crosses alongside roads, naked, intentionally shamed as a warning to anyone who might seek to disobey Roman law. And Jesus knew that is where he was headed. So if anyone wants to be his disciple, they must be willing to go where he goes. 
You see, when Jesus said to the crowd, they must pick up their cross, they knew exactly what he was talking about. Jesus was warning those, if you want comfort, if you want prosperity, if you, if prosperity, if you want ease of life, this is not the path for you. If you're going to identify with me, you're going to have to suffer. You're going to have to endure humiliation and a potential gruesome death, and that's what's in store for you. In fact, for some of those who were listening to Jesus speak these words, that is how they would finish. Jesus tells Simon Peter at the end of John uh, 21, he says, when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. And He said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And after this, he told him, follow me. Jesus was telling Peter, there's coming a day, Peter, in which you are going to have your hands stretched out. And according to church tradition, Simon Peter did not consider himself worthy of dying like Jesus did. And so he requested to be crucified upside down. Because he said, I'm not worthy to die in the same way as my Lord. And here is Jesus saying, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to so identify with me that you are going to have to be willing to endure suffering. You're going to have to endure persecution. You're going to have to endure people saying false things about you that aren't true. You're going to have to endure trials that are not fair. And you're going to, you may even have to endure a death that is gruesome and awful like the cross. And for Simon Peter, that was his future. You see, to take up your cross is to so identify with Jesus that you're willing to endure the shame and the torture and the suffering just like he did. You see, taking up your cross is a call to total commitment to Jesus, even to the point of death. But this is not only a call to suffer for Christ or to die for Christ, but to wrap your identity of who you are in Christ. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul's saying, listen, my identity is so wrapped up in the cross of Christ. I am identifying with him, and now his death is now my death. His resurrection is now my resurrection. I am now hidden in him. It's interesting in Luke's account, in Luke 9.23, he adds the word daily. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and pick up his cross daily and follow me. Isn't that interesting? It means every day you are denying yourself. You're denying your flesh. You're saying no to sin and self. And you're saying, I'm identifying with Christ today. I'm now hidden in the cross. His cross is now my cross. I'm ready to receive all that that entails. I'm so identifying with Christ that now I'm all in on whatever that entails. It means if people say false things about me, that's part of me being a follower of Christ. If it means that someone has to take my life, It's not mine to begin with. 
I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I'm now hidden in Christ and now I'm going to die to myself. Now, I've heard it said that sometimes you have to bear a cross. Like if you've got a really bad boss, we all have our cross to bear. Or if you get a diagnosis from the doctor, we all have our cross to bear. Or if you've got a really cantankerous mother-in-law, we've all got our cross to bear. Now, by God's grace, I love my mother-in-law. Sherry, you're great. I love you. We're great. Okay? That's not me. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about you're identifying so much with me that you're saying, that your life is no longer about you, but it's about following me. You're going to die to your desires. You're going to die to your selfish ambition. You're going to die to your future plans. And you're going to align with what I have in store for you. You see, to take up your cross means you so identify with Jesus that you're even willing to pay the cost, even death. The great German theologian and pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. You see, the call to pick up your cross is a call to die. And when you follow Jesus, it is a call to suffer a slow, painful, agonizing death to yourself. You die to your future plans. You die to your aspirations. You now find that the crucified life with Christ is far better than anything you could have planned for yourself. And beloved, hear me, it's going to cost you to follow Jesus. It's going to cost you. Whether it's relationships or income or promotion or even your own life. But we are so hidden in Christ that we say, you know what? It's painful, but it's worth it. Because Jesus is worth it. Because you see, Jesus is not a king who sits in the recliner and watches and says, go do what I say. No, 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 no. He got up off the cross, off of, off of his throne. He humbled himself. The one who had the rightful position. As the king of the universe, he left glory and he humbled himself. He gave up his power to take on human flesh. He humbled himself to allow a Roman government to have authority over him, but it was temporary. But he was willing to submit himself even to the point of death, even death on a cross. But you know what's so great? The tomb is empty. You can go outside Jerusalem. He ain't there. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He has ascended up into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he is interceding for you right now. And he is calling you and calling me in this text right here to say, are you going to identify with me? Are you going to follow me? If that's the case, you need to get off the recliner. You need to get off your selfish life. No longer about your comfort. No more about ease of life. No more about pursuing personal and selfish gain. It's time to so identify with me to endure rejection and to walk the Calvary road. You see, God never asks you to do something that he himself hasn't already done. 
And so this call to suffer, this call to pick up your cross is exactly what Jesus did for you because he loves you. And so now, as those who have been purchased by his blood, by his grace, for his glory, we now follow in line with him. And if you do, if anyone would come after me, one day you're going to hear from the lips of your Savior, well done. Well, well done, good and faithful servant. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Pick up his cross. And number three, follow Jesus. That phrase, follow me, it shows up 25 times in the four Gospels. All of them used by Jesus as an invitation to surrender to his lordship. It's an invitation to drop what's in your hands, to give up what you've got and say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I'm all in. We see when Jesus told the fishermen, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, follow me. They left their nets, they left their boat, they left their father-in-law, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus called Matthew at the tax collector's booth and said, follow me, he left his source of income, he left his prominent position, he left all of that, and he followed Jesus. When Jesus called out to the rich young ruler, he says, sell all of your possessions and come follow me, he didn't. Why? Because he was wealthy. He wasn't willing to give up his finances to follow Jesus. Question, what about you? When Jesus says, follow me, it means you drop everything you've got and you say, Jesus, I'm all in. If you want my family, you can have it. If you want my job, you can have it. If you want my money, you can have it. All of it is yours. I now submit to you. There is no one who comes close to competing for first place in my heart and in my life. That is what Jesus is calling for here when he says, follow me. You submit completely to his lordship, and he has the final word over your life. And so here Jesus in this sermon is calling out to his disciples and he's calling out to this crowd and he's calling out to me and to you. You are to follow me, not the other way around. You don't go and live your life and I'll come and follow you around. That's not how this works. He is the king and we follow our king all the way to Calvary. But when you follow Jesus you're submitting to a king who gave his life for his peasants, although he never treats us like peasants. But we see a king who gave up his life for his people, a king who gave up his position of authority and power so that he might serve. Who doesn't want to follow a king like that? A king who extends to you grace and mercy, and because of his great love for you, you gladly follow him. But when you submit your life to Jesus, when you deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow Jesus, he doesn't come in for a little makeover. He comes in for a takeover. He wants all of your heart, all of your life. There's nothing you can hold back from him. So what is the call? It's the impact point, and it's this. Deny, die, and follow Jesus for the rest of your life. That's the call. Every day for the rest of your life, whether you're seven or 97, 
This is what you and I do every day for the rest of our lives if we belong to Jesus. You deny yourself. You pick up your cross and you follow Jesus. You know, a question I often ask people who I share the gospel with, they'll come to the point and say, yeah, I'm ready to trust in Christ. I ask them this question. Hey, is there anything in your life that you're not ready to give up yet? And what I'm doing is I'm looking to see if there's anything in their heart, a relationship, a marriage, a child, a possession, a job, their income. Is there anything that you want more than Jesus? Because if the answer is yes, then you're not ready yet. Here, Jesus is saying, I'm not looking for a simple prayer. I'm not looking for a a tip of the hat. I'm not saying that you just acknowledge me one day a week and then you go live the rest of your life however you want to. Jesus is not in on that. In Mark 8, 34, Jesus is saying, if you are going to follow after me, you have to deny yourself and pick up your cross and make me first place. And you do it every day until that day you see me face to face. Think of how different our world would be if every human being obeyed Mark 8:34. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus. 